Hello, sir. Oh, hello. What's going on? You know, just hanging out at MicroConf. Yeah, we are in a room together. We are. It's someone asked me last night, like, is it is it nice to see Derek in person, even though you like see each other each week? And I was like, yeah, it's, he's different in three D. Yep. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's got a different vibe. We're in meat space. We are in meat space. <laughs> How's the conference going for you? It's been it's been going well. Yeah, it's it's kind of surreal to see all the our internet friends that I've only seen on the internet for the past two years mm-hmm. um, in real life. This year at MicroConf, it's it's like a little bit of a down year in terms of attendance, I think, just because people have a bunch of backed up travel and some people COVID concerned or whatever. So it's kind of interesting how it feels almost like earlier days of MicroConf in the sense of like mm. a, a smaller crowd, like you can mm. kind of kind of get to meet everybody in the room pretty easily, whereas before it was getting a little large. For yeah. Them. What did Rob say? 108, 60? Something? Yeah. Something like that. Somewhere around that. Mm-hmm. And normally it's like, like 270 is the yeah, normal Yeah. Pushing closer to 300 normally. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's a, it's a more intimate microconf. Mm-hmm. It's a micro microconf. Yeah. And it's the first one outside of Vegas in the US too. Yeah. So here easy, we are in Minneapolis. It's easy, easy drive for, me. for you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see a bit of the city. We're not going to do, do some activities later today, yep. which would be cool. But I was... I've talked to a number of people. Every time I mention Minneapolis to somebody, like I'm texting friends or whatever, and they're like, oh, I have friends that live there. They love it. Mm-hmm. Like it's got, a, it has a, has a good rep. Yeah. It makes me wish I were like doing more here. So I was saying to you, like, I want to come back in the summer and like, just like actually do like a focused on the seeing the area. Yeah, we should do it. It's the Portland of the Midwest is the best analogy I can come up with, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's got like a lot of microbreweries, good, like really good food scene, a lot of nature in woven into the city. Yeah. So, you know, you can spend time along one of our many lakes or the Mississippi River and um, seems like the bike path situation is very strong. Oh, yeah. Like yep. Good bike infra. Lots of good bike infrastructure. We could go I could take you on a nice sixty mile bike ride. I'm gonna use an e bike, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a very soft seat. Yeah. <laughs> I once did a fifty mile ride with like basically no prep. Yeah. And I was I mean, it hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those saddles are not the softest by no. after the end of fifty miles. No. When I first got into road biking, I have a buddy um, out here that is pretty into it and has had like a nice lightweight road bike for a long time one of our first trips out he was like let's go do a century and i <laughs> what i wasn't even sure like what that was going to be like physically yeah. you're know? like what a, okay. and you're like what does century mean exactly <laughs> right and so it was like seven hours uh, you know in the saddle seven hours yeah Yikes. because my pace was was not great i was on like not a very optimized bike for that type of distance either that's the bike's fault yeah yeah i blame it on the bike mm-hmm. um but uh, it was, I, it kind of felt like I was running a marathon with no training. Yikes. Um, yeah, that sounds brutal. So, but I survived. Nice. Yeah. So how the talks, like, what's been good for you? What are you enjoying? Yeah. I'm, so aside from like the seeing all the people element, which that's probably the number one for me is yeah. just, uh, you know, interacting with, with folks that I only see online normally. But yeah, the conference kicked off with uh, April Dunford, who mm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I've consumed yeah. all the positioning uh, positioning work she's done she seems so fun i wish i'd actually hung out with her while she was here yeah like she just has a great vibe yep she seems very real and entertaining and i mm-hmm. just yeah mm-hmm. yeah she's a she's a treat so like i felt like her talk got a lot of wheels spinning in my mind just about like making sure that you're attracting people into your product that are actually a good fit for it mm-hmm. and i've i've realized that with savvy cal i feel like when when i was starting out it was sort of like throwing the doors open as wide as possible and trying to like get anyone who does any kind of scheduling to try out the product and and see if it's a good fit for them and gradually start to get a better sense for you know who is savvy cal really best for 
which I think is something that's good to do early on. I think she talks about that in her book, like keeping it, keeping it very broad. But as things have progressed and the business has, has become more specialized for a certain group of people, something she was talking about was like being very upfront about who your product is good for. Even like publishing a buyer's guide could be one idea of like saying, mm. if you're, if you have this type of use case, you may be better fit with, you know, using this other competing tool. Because what I'm finding is like, we are attracting people with certain use cases where it's like Savvy Cal's not a great fit right now and probably won't be even in the near term. And so those people are likely to come in, email support a bunch, and then ultimately churn. Mm. And that's that's burdensome on the on the business. You know? are, are you still thinking that you'll niche down to a smaller group or are you like happy going wide? Like yeah, what are you thinking there? I mean, the question is how how deeply to niche down. Like, is it right. does the headline change to you know scheduling software for X, right. uh, where like X is an easily definable thing? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Like, so it's it's probably still going to be like maybe three or four specific use cases that we figure out how to how to like massage well into the marketing site. So when you when you land on the homepage, if you're in one of those kind of four buckets, mm. say you kind of feel like it's speaking to you. Interesting. Um, so, so, so yeah, niching into use cases as opposed to like people, like personas. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. It was interesting seeing this state of, state of independent SaaS report, you know, a couple of, couple of notes from that. One of them being like credit card upfront versus no credit card on trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this is consistent with what you've experienced with Tuple when you dropped it. Yeah. Uh, like, like basically net, like even on, amount of business but you're getting more kind of leads in the door more people touching the product which yep. it's counter to like the wisdom that i've heard of like put have keep a credit card up front on trial to to make sure that you're like you're having most qualified people coming through the funnel but if the numbers are kind of panning out generally speaking then it's kind of seems kind of optimal to have you know have more people touching the product especially if you're trying to do like product-led growth so Right, exactly. Yeah, that's my preference overall, I would say. Although, I, I, there's part of me just wants to be contrarian and like go yeah. back to the old way and just like <laughs> charge for trials, you know, like just... Yeah. That 70% trial conversion rate was, uh, was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's what I've been floating around pretty consistently. Yeah. About 70% trial conversion rate? Um, of, of people who sign up, yeah, trial to paid. Trial so, to paid. Yep. Can you do anything for free? Like, do you have to... Not really. You can, you can like set up your account and preview stuff. So, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. A lot of people sign up, look around, don't actually sign up for a trial. So, the the, the free sign up, like create an account to signing up for a trial is, I don't actually have that number top of mind. Yeah. But there's a lot of drop off there. But the people who actually do start their trial, which allows them to activate their links and they have their card on file in that case. Yeah, yeah. That is a around 70%. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You need more trials. I know. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Wow. When we used to charge up front too, like you get paid for every trial. Mm-hmm. That was that was that was even another beautiful thing too. It's just like, right. oh yeah, we make thousands of dollars a month on failed trials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was kind of nice. But no, I think I think we're we're gonna keep pushing down the give it to more people thing. I think mm-hmm. that's but maybe just for fun we'll swap it for a few months. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting experiments to run. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna you're gonna raise your pricing or what? I think we're going to test it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We raise prices on new customers, mm-hmm. which so far seems to be just going great. Just like no, no problems. Yeah. But we were, we were talking last night about why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's, there's this whole bulk of uh, users that are existing customers. 
I think we're going to test it out. I think we're going to basically try a small cohort and see what happens. Yep. And just like see what the response is. Mm-hmm. We are on the expensive side. And like we just are. I don't know that I would do an aggressive thing, but I think it's I think it's worth experimenting with. Yeah. Like I'm I'm fairly confident about the product overall, I guess. Like I I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. And so like the people that like it are churn past the first couple months, like once you sort of have the people that never really activate, mm-hmm. is very, is pretty strong. People seem to really dig it. So, like, and, and yeah, you know, like we haven't changed the pricing in years. Yeah, it's and it's gotten a lot better. Yeah, so it feels like my, now might be a decent time. I saw Patrick Campbell tweeting about something recently, saying like the optimal time, like you should be experimenting with your pricing every quarter or something. Which does he happen to make money every time people? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and the, and the GDPR lawyers are convinced that GDPR applies to all U.S. companies. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> shocker. Yeah, it's been years, and that does not feel right to me. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly worth a, an experiment. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We have customers that listen to this, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> but we're going to test this out. No one likes it, you know. It's but, yeah, but yeah, we'll see. But it's interesting because do you feel like you have other products in the marketplace that are that are pressuring you to keep your price bound to a certain? level kind of yes and it's less around like direct comparables Mm -hmm. and it's more like well github costs us x per month Mm -hmm. and you know we use github more than tuple so it feels weird that this costs more than that it's like yeah sort of like so people make those those comparisons right i feel that a lot because there are just so many tools that are basically priced very similarly Mm -hmm. and that i feel like that makes it harder for me to justify being significantly off from the from the baseline yeah but don't you feel like you're competing on quality like the reason that people would choose savvy yeah. is because they like it better because right. it's a better product and so like yeah why wouldn't they pay for that quality yeah no that's like if people consider you totally equivalent to a competitor mm-hmm. then fine they should use that competitor if they mm-hmm. want the cheaper version mm-hmm. but you should i feel like you should be pricing for the people that are like no no this is clearly better and that and that is why it's more expensive right no you make a good point. I mean, it's easy to say from over here, yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. clear. Like, yeah. it's, it's very easy to tell people to raise their prices. And yes. then, but then like when you try to think about it for yourself, it's, uh, it's, it's right. It triggers a lot of emotions. Yes. Like I'm, I'm, af- I'm still, I'm afraid. Like it's like, it's mm-hmm. still scary. I feel like I've been, I preach the, the raise the prices thing, but in yeah. practice, it's like hard to be like, Oh, but like, what if it isn't actually that great? And like, as soon as like it's $5 more a month, people realize how crappy it is. And mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's hard to, to fight the irrational insecure part of my brain right have you ever thought about like doing like a pricing study something more rigorous that would give you like interesting you know that curve because there is an optimal point right where you like if you cross cross a certain threshold then it like enough people will be unwilling theoretically to pay that price right and it'll become less often that's interesting yeah are you thinking of that what 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 was the name of that thing there's there's a tool for this the van westendorf yes yeah van westendorf (laughs) uh whatever yeah uh, yeah, that's interesting. I could, I could give that a shot. I mean, yeah, that might be interesting. Basically, the vast majority of our users are not the buyer. So it's like on a team, there might be 100 people and only one of them makes a purchasing decision. And maybe right. that, that maybe none of them actually. Right. Sometimes it's just like the VP of engineering was like, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And then procurement bought it. And it's like, it's not even really connected directly. Mm-hmm. So if I pulled our users... Yeah, that would not be optimal. Yeah. Right. So it kind of feels like this might be just like a try some things and see what happens. Yeah. Watch the numbers. I talked to Rob on a Twitter space. I was like, the normal pricing is 25 per user per month. And I was talking to him about bumping. It. I was like, I'm thinking of going to 30. And he's like, why don't you go to 35? Feels like about the same to me. You know, mm-hmm. if I were, if I had a team of 10 developers, it's 300 versus 350 different considering yeah. a $2 million payroll or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, not really. Yeah. But then, <laughs> so it's like, 
we ended up going to 30 because it was like just felt nice and round mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like maybe 35 maybe, maybe 40s right 40s also round <laughs> i mean i don't know like when we first started we were at 50 and people were like you're insane yeah and so it's like okay that's that's and like and then i went to 25 which is a big drop um yeah. and then people stopped selling me i was insane and it started working mm. but like there's a whole bunch of numbers between those two mm-hmm so and inflation and i mean also like the the product at like six months old was right not not like it is today yeah no that's fair what's joel's issue with nines Uh, (laughs) (laughs) joel's issue with nines i think he thinks it's like a cheap trick okay Uh, it's just like yeah he he doesn't care that psychologically it works where like people view that number as small like he he thinks it's like a just like exploiting a a dumb Mm -hmm. thing in people's brands is is probably what he would say something close to that yeah but he will also undoubtedly be probably mad at my characterization of this because it won't be 100 percent accurate <laughs> he can come on here and correct us if he uh if yes he wants we to. can do a drop in right here yep. joel if you want to send me an audio file <laughs> yeah. i will send it to uh, uh castos that sounds great yeah. yeah oh speaking of castos we're in the castos podcast room we are by the way yeah which is a cool thing so like there's i thought that's kind of a nice way to sponsor the conference mm-hmm. or like it's like so they set up a four mics and headsets and audio interface and yeah we think we got it configured I, correctly i hope so <laughs> so hopefully this sounds good um although craig no pop filters on these mics yeah it's kind of a uh, but anyway otherwise it's a it's a, it's a cool idea it was yeah. nice to have like a sponsorship turn into like directly a useful mm-hmm. thing that mm-hmm. was smart does that feel like something Along the vein of of some kind of marketing project that Tuple would want to do, totally this type of thing. Yeah, I'm excited just to try some some marketing experiments. Mm-hmm. And I was as I was flying through the airport, like seeing like billboards and stuff. I was like, I mean, I just wonder what would happen. Like, like what if we tried like display advertising? Mm-hmm. Like, if we had a billboard in Austin or mm-hmm. Boston or New York or something, like where a lot of developers are, like, what would happen? Like, would we see results from that? Uh, I don't know. It just seems I'm interested in trying some fun ideas. Yeah. It'll be like hard to measure those things. That'll be the tricky part, you know? Yeah. But even when I do some like online things, more digital things, it's just so hard to get attribution dialed in. It's like almost feels like not even worth it to try. Yeah. You know? I kind of feel that way. Yeah. Like I, I want to do the basics. We should get the basics of like, you know, how did you hear about us or things mm-hmm. like that? So we're not like flying totally blind, but I'm like sort of not against the idea of just like, yeah, we do a lot of stuff. And if we get more trials each month than last month, that's great and right. you know yeah that's kind of okay there's enough slack in the system to absorb some experiments that may not pan out but you know it's yeah. just like we have a, a mentor like an advisor we've been working with and for marketing in particular mm-hmm. and he, we were asking him what kind of attribution to set up especially as aaron comes on and he was like you know get the basics but then you know you're never gonna get it perfect it's an infinite rabbit hole so mm-hmm. like don't don't spend too much time on it yeah which matched with my intuition mm-hmm. so would the basics be like Sort of like a mixed panel, like track events. Yeah. Like, I mean, we should have UTM sources on our links, you know, mm-hmm. like as we're doing stuff, we mm-hmm. should probably have like a, how did you hear about us thing going on just to kind of get us some broad directional sense Yeah, and like pay attention. Like actually an idea from one of the talks that I liked was uh, spinning up a marketing change log. Yeah. Like just, just writing down when you do mm-hmm. marketing things and having a list of them by mm-hmm. date. So you can say, wow, we started getting way more traffic on this day. Like, oh yeah, that's right. That was when we changed the something, something, something. Yeah. So... That would be, I think, also useful just for like very basic, like, okay, mm-hmm. we put a billboard up in <laughs> this thing and then traffic looked like this. So, yep. Yeah. We were kind of riffing on this the other day, like, maybe you can do this in mixed panel too, like have like specific events logged on the graph so you can see like laid over. Totally. And you know, those annotations, yeah, are cool. Yeah. I use that in bare metrics and yeah. I find that, that useful. So yeah, having them, doing more of them in more places, I think mm-hmm. is useful. Yeah. 
because it's easy like especially now there's more people doing stuff so it's like there's more things to keep track of and like hey what changed over here that made this metric right. move like this yeah it's worth knowing yeah i loved uh, rob's recommendation of like and I, I forgot we did this at drip but after a good support interaction asking yes. f- asking for uh a review or a testimonial? That was actually something I wrote down as well. Because so Dorothy does customer success for us and she's great at it. And she routinely gets people being like, this was awesome. I had someone like cold email me to be like, just so I want you to know like how awesome mm-hmm. Dorothy has been. And so I was thinking about talking to her and just say like, hey, like if you get one of these you know, raving reviews, here's yeah. a little, let, let's, let's just ask them to tweet about it. Yeah. Because that's, that's still our, our main channel as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, perfectly primed in that moment and they have all the warm fuzzy feelings exactly to uh <laughs> to do yeah. something for you yeah. yeah why not yeah it's a good time to ask for a favor mm-hmm. and like that's like when we ask people to like t- we actually ask people to tweet about us after like i think their 10th five-star yeah. call kind of thing it's like a similar idea so having having a couple of those triggers i think makes sense yeah it's interesting the little tactics from from microconf mm-hmm. and i do feel like roi wise one or two good ideas mm-hmm. can like totally pay for the conference pay for the time yep make it worth doing totally which is nice agreed yeah i'm excited to do some marketing stuff Mm -hmm. i was i was thinking last night it was like if we were a vc-backed company our investors would be like you've hit product market fit Mm -hmm. you now need to scale like crazy Mm -hmm. and we would be hiring like 10 people we were like we would be raising millions of dollars and immediately spending it on marketing sales marketing teams marketing like throwing it like testing 10 different channels probably yeah and like we we're just slowly creeping you know like a little more tweeting over here like maybe we'll ask people to tweet about us <laughs> like hiring one marketing engineer after four years and like yep. try some ideas it's like we're yeah. we're going like you know very slow bootstrappy style mm-hmm. and that i think like matches with us sort of philosophically fairly well but it's like, and then yeah, Stripe Capital is like, hey, do you want two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Right. <laughs> it's just like, click a button and we'll deposit this in your Stripe account. And it's like, okay, it's like we have resources to deploy if we want to. Yeah, and we're going like fairly slow. But it's like, what if we? What if I did just like, Aaron, spend a hundred grand mm-hmm. on like two amazing marketing things? Like, and let's just see what happens. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm very curious. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think you guys are in a good spot because you have you got some cash flow to to play with. Let's kind of talking this through with other founders here where you're kind of either in one one part of the spectrum or the other you either have more ideas than money <laughs> and then so you get get creative with either fundraising or i don't know using one of the alternative like non-dilutive options or something take on some debt whatever or you're on the flip side where you have uh, more money than ideas which is arguably a better better problem to have <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good one yeah you know but yeah, start start taking some risks. Get a little closer to a little closer to uh, a lean operation where you're like making some heavy investments into. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's interesting. Like it's if if normally like we would be in the scale up phase in the in like the VC backed world. Like why? Like what does that look like in bootstrapping? That's like more reasonable, but like maybe a little further than we're going now. Yeah. Like all right, let's. What if we did scale some stuff more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think ironically, right now you we are missing a talk about building a business that goes across different verticals oh no so <laughs> robbing me of that asia <laughs> yeah exactly uh it's telling you how to solve your your main problem right now and Luckily, we're in here by ourselves oh my gosh <laughs> i like scanned that and i was like oh, i don't think that's really us and i didn't really think of that would if that would be you oh so, man i oh. trusted your judgment yeah sorry time slot <laughs> hopefully hopefully the note you can get some notes from that i'll get some notes yeah, yeah. she seems friendly too i bet she would just talk to you yes i, I believe it yeah 
That's cool. So this this thing we're going to later, the Can 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 Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. What what is this thing? It's like adult Disneyland sort of <laughs> situation. <laughs> cool. Like weird old like warehouse building, and uh, you go in. There's like mini golf and little like other carnival-y type things you can do in there. Arcades. They have a bar mm. and a lot of just like quirky local art work in there. It's pretty cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I think it's it's cool to see on the schedule like there's more getting out of the mm-hmm. the conference center today. Yeah. Like I'm going bowling with some people. Nice. What are you, what are you doing? I think I signed up for the brewery tour. Brewery tour. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And people are doing trapeze and mm-hmm. improv, improv class and stuff. It's nice to see some some variety there. Yeah. This is like actually, yeah, some, something I have been thinking in past years. Just mm-hmm. like we have, yeah, we're in an inter- interesting place. Are we doing interesting things or are we just sitting in the hotel ballroom? Right, right. It's like, yeah, it'd be make, nice to make use of it. And so we are, which is cool. It was funny when I left uh, yesterday for dinner and like I was just picturing in my mind that it was like dark and like overcast outside. Walked outside and it's like bright and sunny. Like, mm. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. These nice. hotels with no uh, no windows. Yeah. A little deceptive. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I assume you're not staying in the hotel. I'm not. Okay. No. Yeah. I only live a couple miles from here, so. Okay. Yeah. Nice. You biking in? No, because it's, I mean, weather has been a little up and down, so it's like supposed to be pouring rain all day today. So. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Cool. I was thinking it must be really great, like a ton of really good indoor options mm-hmm. here because like the winter is like brutal. So like every yeah. every business must be like ready to take serve you inside, I suppose. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that's like. Uh, conversely like the patio like patio dining culture is like very strong here too because like interesting. you know when the weather is nice people like want to be outside yeah so we went to a pub earlier and they had a lawn bowling mm-hmm. outside like a huge you know oh yeah spot for like being outside and i was like oh man that would be great yeah. yeah i could see that if people people treat us precious when you can they do outside yeah. austin was great for that by the way oh yeah i, I just was in austin by the way oh yeah how was right that before this i was great such a cool, such a cool city. Mm-hmm. I was there for three or four days with my friend Dan. We had a blast. Nice. I hadn't been in about eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. It's really funky. Tons of outdoor stuff because mm-hmm. like, everything has outdoor seating mm-hmm. and there's because a lot of space. So it's like pretty like it was interesting. Like as a Bostonite, I think it's tricky to get liquor licenses in Massachusetts mm-hmm. and New England because we're full of Puritans who mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> don't like sin or something. Everywhere in Austin serves alcohol, like has yeah. a liquor license and also has outdoor seating because it's warm most of the time and there's yeah. enough real estate and it was just really great. It's a great vibe. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So recommended. I would, I would probably go back to Austin. Yeah. I've been wanting to visit for a while. Probably has a lot of other kind of cultural similarities to Minneapolis and Portland and some of these other cool spots. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very tech mm-hmm. forward kind mm-hmm. of thing. I told you I was walking downtown and Dan spotted this building. I was like, oh, hey, don't you know that company? I was like, oh, yeah, it's WP Engine. Uh, giant logo on top of a giant building and I was like <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah. I have a new goal in life yep it was, it was pretty baller so props to Jason Cohen for yeah that life milestone sounded like maybe the maybe the tuple team is warming up to uh, getting a getting a dedicated physical space yeah like we've been doing the, the co-working space for a while it's kind of bland mm-hmm. and it's also like pretty empty we were expecting it to fill up as like things changed but it sort of has stayed fairly empty mm-hmm. and really like i just i'm not totally sold on co-working as like i think most of the time they all sort of tout their community and most of them don't actually have community right like you're just working separately it's the facade of community yeah i'm working next to somebody or near somebody mm-hmm. and it's just like it's not real but so we've been kind of like kicking, it's, it's very much at like the mostly joking sort of maybe cooking around idea phase. Like, well, what if we did get our own like larger building mm-hmm. and like found some like, f- like actual people we really like to like come work there too. Like not, not quite a co-working space, but a 
co-working space i don't know sort of curated by invite curated you know, yeah of, exactly yeah. like not trying to make it a business mm-hmm. but more like a not a profit center but a uh, life profit center yeah a, pro- a p-r-o-p-h-e-t center <laughs> there you go, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah a friend of mine actually has a he like started renting part of an office from another local company that's mm-hmm. not not a software company but still like they're like we have all this square footage and most people a lot of people are just remote most of the time so it just is very cavernous and empty yeah so i think part of it was like yeah let's offset a little bit of the rent but more so for like let's just get more people in here you know mm. who are cool like yeah. and respectful and like fun to see in the common areas and you know yeah I think that could be really neat. Mm-hmm. I had joked about this with Wathen about like, oh, like after Tuple, I'm going to like buy a building and like host a startup accelerator in person kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if we did like something like an echo of that right now? Like, mm-hmm. why not? That might be really fun. Yeah. The, where Drip's office used to be was like the concept was supposed to be this place where a bunch of tech companies that had smallish teams could have individual private offices there, but like tons of also like community spaces where it's sort of like the benefits of a co-working space, but more skewed towards like dedicated offices than like a giant room of shared desk kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a, it, like, I don't know if they achieved perfect like community, you know, most people just kind of filed in, filed out. But if you wanted to participate in that, there was definitely like a core of people who would, who would really try to like hang out with each other and get some of that, some of that mixing going on. That's so, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Could renovate an old warehouse or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last night we hosted like a small gathering uh, with some folks and I think that was one of my highlights so far of the conference which mm-hmm. is like that like a longer term like a, like a couple hours of like with the same group but like small enough to like really get yeah. to know people and yeah. dive into their things and it, was, and it just reminded me like oh yeah this is why I did NanoConf is because this mm-hmm. is so fun like mm-hmm. this is actually my favorite part of this kind of thing is like those smaller group things deep dives. Yeah. That has also started the wheels turning for me again, which is mm-hmm. like, okay, is there another, should I do another, another NanoConf mm-hmm. uh, coming up maybe this fall? Mm-hmm. So I've been kicking that around. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. In person. It's great. I like it. it. <laughs> Humans. Yes, I know. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's, I think that's it. Maybe I'll catch the tail end of this talk. If so, it's sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap it up from, from MicroConf. Live from MicroConf. This mm-hmm. is, oh, you know what? I have one more, one okay. more little story. Yes. Uh, don't leave your phone in an Uber. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. So this is the this was the microconf community coming together. So I get to get to dinner last night, and it's like actually in my neighborhood, right near where I live, so a couple miles away from the hotel, and shared an Uber with someone, and we arrive, and about ten minutes later, I realize I don't have my phone. You can log into Uber online and enter a phone number and say like have route me to the driver. And of course, that failed like five times back to back, like just call dropped, nothing mm. went through. So then we mobilized and put it into lost lost phone mode and put uh, Tony's phone phone number in. And, and then we started relentlessly calling the phone. And finally, after like 10 minutes of like, oh, no, did I just lose my phone and all of my credit cards? Finally, we got a hold of the driver. Nice. And like I was, I was hearing other stories of other folks who have made the same dumb mistake, and uh, hmm. often there's a bit of extortion involved. Or like, yeah, yeah. So we met up at a Pizza Hut, and I had to pay him thirty bucks yeah. to get my phone back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy was thankfully not that, but I still tipped him a twenty bucks for, nice. the, for the trouble. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, there he's at work trying yeah. to do stuff. Yeah, that's fair. So it was not fun, but I, it, in the end, it built a little memory with some microcom people. Nice, so, you know. Through, through struggles. I'll take that. Connection. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 
Alrighty. And that's the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.